Coming up in this podcast, property data, Subiaco Hotel, lithium, transport infrastructure, autonomous vehicles, mining listings, graphene, and our special report on the risks to WA. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News, with Mark Pownall and Mark Beyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast and welcome Dan Wilkie sitting in for Mark Beyer. So firstly, Dan, uh, the biggest stories of the week centre around property and uh, that's your area of expertise. Yeah, there's been um, quite a lot of positive data coming out of the property sector, which is probably welcome news um, to a lot of the players in that market. So last week, the Property Council released a survey showing a lot of increased confidence in the WA property sector. There was a significant lift in the people expecting some capital growth in housing this year. Now, data out this week has sort of underlined why these people are a bit optimistic. Um, Most significantly for home builders, the Housing Industry Association showed a 14.4% lift in new home sales in the December quarter, which was the biggest rise oh. in in the in, in Australia. That's so a significant number, isn't it? That's a big number, but they are dealing with the market at significant at sure. historical lows. And so. can I ask, question without notice, 14% year on year or 14%, 14% from the month before? From the quarter before, previous from month. the previous okay. quarter, yes. Okay. Um, the other data that was good for the home builders is building approvals were also up, uh, a little bit more modestly about by about 5%. Okay. But those are, you know, two... Definitely positive turns um, for a market that's you know looking for some good news. Now, um, in the residential, in the established residential market, there was some positive news for rental vacancies. The rental vacancy rate in Perth is down to two point four percent, and rental listings are eighteen percent lower than what they were a year ago. And if you're a landlord looking to lease your property, the average time it takes to secure a lease now is only thirty nine days, which is the quickest okay. since March twenty fifteen. And rents are starting to move in some locations. Rents were up um, in the December quarter by 50 bucks a week in East Frio, for example. Mm-hmm. And competition is particularly fierce for people looking um, in sought-after locations, particularly near good schools. Yes. So that, that's quite interesting with the school year obviously starting soon. People are looking to get their kids into a, a, a good situation there. And finally, um, in commercial property, um, office vacancies data from JLL has showed that that market's continuing to improve. Like the home builders, it's from... A high level of vacancy, um, so it's, it needs to improve, but it's now five consecutive quarters of improvement in the office market, so they're looking at about 18.5% vacancies there. So okay. while vacancies are high, um, take-up of empty office space in Perth was the second, uh, was higher than any other city other than Brisbane last year, so good to see um, some positivity. I mean, all last year the, the word was the economy, wider economy is improving, when is this going to start to flow into property? seems that hopefully it's starting to flow in there now. Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll cover a little bit of that off later. Um, and did you say around the retail side of things? Yes, um, we've, that's a, sort of a preview for, um, for next week, so um, let's get it, um, f- that'll be in the magazine next week, so I'm just going to hold on to the hat there, keep that under my hat for a little bit now. So. Okay, no dramas. Uh, now, sticking with property, uh, a new hotel in Subiaco is no longer going to be the Park Regis, is that right? That's correct, yeah. This was a really interesting one. Um, the news broke uh, late last week that um, the developer behind the hotel, uh, Dredgen, which is a Singaporean group, announced that Park Regis had pulled out of operating the hotel. Very strange, the Park Regis logo has been up on that building for quite some time. I first noticed it sort of midway through last year. And my understanding is that the hotel was fitted out to Park Regis's specifications. They've held tours of the building, and my understanding was it was set to open this month. Mm. Um, no reason was given for the Park Regis departure. Dredgen's representative said that they couldn't comment any further. And um, the Park Regis brand owner, Staywell Hospitality, 
just didn't answer any inquiries. So it could be indicative of the challenges facing hotel operators at the tail end of this construction boom. There's been a lot of new properties built. Some of them are particularly high standard, like the Ritz-Carlton and the Western. So competition is obviously going to be fierce. Um, but at the same time, new proposals are continuing to emerge, emerge. Yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting one in Subi because obviously that building has been somewhat delayed. Uh, so presumably, and the way I've read it, the Park Regis people had a, you know, they had a contract with mm. Dragdon or whatever it's called. Yep. Um, so th- maybe that delay has meant they've got an opt-out clause and they've decided not to go ahead with it, which yeah, is I think a bit of a sting for the, for the property owner, presumably. I, I think, yeah, the project is at least six months behind its original timeline, oh, I think it's uh, which, I think which it's is, which is probably, probably way, about 12 months. Oh, I think way more than that, yeah, yeah, at least. But yeah, I mean, they did have some issues with the original builder, Cooper and Oxley, went yeah. running into financial difficulties. Yeah. Pindan had to come and take over. Mm. Oh, sorry, Doric, uh, not Pindan. Uh, my apologies um, to Doric. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's interesting to see how that hotel market's moving. Um, there's, as I said, a lot of new properties still getting some new proposals and the state government is very busy launching new marketing campaigns in Asia and in Europe so hopefully for the hotel operators and the developers behind them they can stoke enough demand to actually fill these rooms. Yeah no no you're right okay yep well you know as you say good news for tourism not so great if you're a hotel operator and uh, perhaps that's what it's all about. Um, Now, Dan, there were high hopes for lithium as little as a year ago uh, but prices have plunged and more projects have been mothballed. Yeah, this um, this is news that just emerged yesterday um, on Thursday the 23rd, if you're listening to this uh, not on Friday the 24th. Um, Galaxy Resources has confirmed it's scaling back con- production at its Mount Catlin mine, and West Farmers has deferred a final investment decision for its Mount Holland joint venture with uh, Chilean company SQM. Now, that's continuing uncertainty for a global lithium market. Obviously, there's been a surge in new supply in recent years. There's been several mines coming online in WA. Um, and these, but these operations were meant to be underpinned by a surge in demand. That's why they were going ahead with them, mm. particularly from electric vehicle battery manufacturers. So the question is, why has that not materialised? Um, but at the same time, I was having a look around this morning, um, there was an improvement in global lithium prices um, since the start of the year. Um, a economic group called Trading Economics, has uh, they put together a lithium index, which sort of puts together all the different, the spodumene uh, concentrate, gotcha. the lithium yep. hydroxide and lithium carbonate prices, and they've reported a 7% surge overall since the start of 2020, off the back of the Chinese government announcement that they weren't going to cut, as planned, any subsidies for electric car manufacturers. Yes, that's right. So, but we're coming well, from they a low base. they weren't going to cut again, I think. Again, say. correct, yeah, yeah, yes. Because yes. they've made a big cut, yeah. Mm. But that's coming from a low base as well. Um, the Trading Economics Lithium Index hit a three-year low last year. So it'll be interesting if there's any sort of legs to that improvement over the next coming months. Yeah, and I guess this just signifies how decision-making goes. It's it's not like, oh, prices are get back up. I oh, will, we'll, uh, you know, keep, it, keep our plans going. They're obviously taking take a long time to say yes to something and then they take a long time to say no and a little bit of price movement is clearly not enough mm. and again it's only they're only mothballing these things right they're not that's they're correct not yes they're pulling not, out. not pulling out or shutting them down and obviously it takes a long time from when they say yes to actually build the infrastructure oh. and start supplying as well so you're right there there are delays so they want to see a, an average that's at a higher level than what they've been seeing that's mm. the key um now, look, Dan, there was some interesting news in road and rail infrastructure projects in WA. 
Yeah, John Holland's made a comeback of sorts. Um, they've won their first government job since 2016. Uh, that's a $59 million maintenance deal for the Public Transport Authority. Now, it's not a huge deal if, if you have a look at the previous jobs that um, John Holland's done, but um, it's interesting that they'd be selected over two other tenderers a couple of months after it was revealed they're seeking $300 million, da- in, $300 million in damages from the state government over the Perth Children's Hospital debacle. So um, the scope of works under that deal is routine maintenance and fault correction, um, and they're also going to upgrade the Claremont train station. Yeah, right, OK. Well, I mean, I think, you know, funnily enough, John Holland have an expertise in train uh, infrastructure. Um, Correct. And so, you know, it makes sense to see them make a comeback. But it also, we all knew that that was going to be hard because they'd been talking about it for some years. Mm. We all knew it was going to be hard whilst they were in a kind of arm wrestle with the government over that that new hospital. So it is surprising uh, because I think we all thought that John Holland might have given up on WA. Yeah, I'd spoken to a few people in the construction industry and sort of over the last couple of years they just said that John Holland wasn't tendering on anything. They just weren't there. So perhaps maybe some certainty around the the court battle with the state government has sort of motivated them to get back in the market. Um, and, And, you know, they can sort of move forward from there. Yeah, right. And I guess the government can't, you know... Can't say no to the best <laughs> quote, can they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll see. Um, now, uh, slightly differently. So I've still, uh, there's more transport news. Sorry. Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, Sorry mate. Uh, there's another piece of news that um, welcome for commuters and truck drivers heading into Frio. Or it might not be welcome, depending on where they sit on the Row 8 debate, but we're not going to get into that. But work started on the new roundabout at the High Street Stirling Highway intersection. Giorgio Group was oh, selected yes. in November to carry out the works um, under a $118 million deal. It's designed to improve safety and reduce congestion. And on the Mitchell Freeway, commuters are actually facing some more congestion <laughs> over the next few months, at least in the short term, um, because the state government has announced they're going to lift the Hay Street Bridge Yes. Um, because too many people have been crashing into it. Uh, apparently 20 times it's been hit since it was built in the late 60s, but nine collisions in the last five years. So right. the, the Trucks are getting higher. Apparently, yeah. Truck drivers aren't paying attention <laughs> to the, <laughs> truck drivers the height of their trucks. <laughs> they don't realise how big the trucks are. But yeah. um, well, There'll be a lot more trucks too than there would have been that's in the correct, 1960s. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of statistics there. Mm. So it's not going to be a huge impost on drivers. nothing going to be going on during the week. It's a couple of weekends. So it? it's a couple of weekends. They're going to shut southbound traffic in that section of the freeway for two full weekends to carry out the works, and it's scheduled to finish in September. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Um, now, and look, just back on that, uh, on the roundabout. So that's the one at the end of High Street. As you're heading south, you hit Leach Highway Correct, there. Correct, yeah. And that's where those two or three houses have been there with uh, graffiti and everything. Demolished now. Yeah, so. yeah. Right, they're <laughs> so, so, okay. so they're gone. The eyesore is no longer there, I'm sure. (laughs) Some particular, uh, would you call them residents? I'm not sure. Squatters would be a little bit upset about that. I suspect it was that. Um, But yeah, they've finally made some progress there and uh, uh, something needed to be done there. And on a side note, there's a couple of houses have been demolished on... Thomas Street, I think it is there, on, in uh, between Subiaco and West Perth, on the West Perth side, that have been squats, clearly. You, the junk that was sitting on the side of the houses before they were fully demolished was incredible. So, right. uh, you know, I think there's three houses that have been uh, demolished there. Clearly some building going on, but also just getting rid of what is uh, obviously a bit of... Um, obnoxious residents mm. uh, for other people in the area. Um, now, uh, Dan, Caterpillar have invested in new autonomous vehicle training centre in Perth. What does that say? Oh, it's actually in Collie. 
Apologies, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's part of the uh, $20 million Collie Futures Fund. Yep. Is they're setting up, uh, they're partnering with uh, West Track to set up this autonomous truck training facility, which is going to have 240 train, uh, 204 trainees sorry, in its first year of operation. Got it. And it's going to be built by a local contracting group, Pierce Centini and Son. And it's actually going to be the first of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, good boost for Collie, obviously. And um, we'll support local industry because WA has been a leader in auto- autonomous trucks for quite some time. So yep. it makes a lot of sense to have that sort of facility here. So now let's let's look at let's do some detail here, and you might not be able, be able to answer these questions. But so um, first of all, is it just a, a big centre where people practice to drive trucks, or will they actually have the trucks driving around near them? Hmm. I'm I'm curious about that because you don't need the truck there to to be an autonomous vehicle driver, do you? That's correct. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. The promo material, or I guess the the uh, the okay. photographs that they supplied did have some trucks in them. Right. Okay. Um, and it was in a facility with the, the control panels there. So I'll have to, can I take that one on notice, Mark? Yeah, and I'll find and, some more details for you later. Notice, further on notice mm. there is also, obviously there are some coal mines there. So are they going to be using, you know, either those mines or some old part of those mines mm. for doing what they do? I'm, I'm just intrigued by that. And look, that I guess the sense, broader yeah. trend we're talking about here is uh, there's at least three mining companies in WA that are, that are running autonomous trucks in their mine sites uh, up north. Um, obviously uh, Rio, BHP and FMG Um, and you know basically WA as a result is a leader in autonomous vehicles which you know albeit on the industrial side of things is an unusual consequence of us being a global leader in the mining game so uh, I think this is great news that Caterpillar are doing this you know more expertise in this area more coming here um, obviously, we'd like to see even you know more development of the vehicles and that sort of mm. thing, and the software needed, and and the expertise in this area. Mm, yeah, definitely fascinating. To like, I was on a site trip with FMG um, <laughs> eighteen months ago now, um, and you know just watching these giant trucks roll around uh, without a driver in them is just like quite an interesting experience. Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, it's quite amazing. Okay, um, now in mining news, and I guess that was a bit of mining news, but uh, first of all, noting a bit of interest, uh, Emerald Resources has, uh, is looking to raise 75 million bucks to develop its Cambodian gold project, but also uh, this week there have been a couple of decent IPOs announced. Yeah, so uh, two Perth-based junior explorers uh, seeking to list on the ASX, collectively uh, seeking to raise $24.5 million. Um, that The identity of those, Carsile Resources, they're seeking the bulk of the funds. They're, they want $20 million to advance it's their Rover and Warumpe polymetallic assets, which is a fancy name for saying it's got more than one mineral, in this case uh, iron oxide, copper and gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kaiser Reef is seeking $4.5 million to fund gold exploration at their New South Wales project, and it follows um, Goodolphin Resources successfully raising $7.5 million in December to right. fund exploration of their South Australian copper and gold tenements. But there's been a couple that have kind of had to push out their... They haven't It is a bit they? of a mixed bag. Um, the name of the company that had to pull theirs escapes me at the moment, but there were several towards the end of last year. I mean, it was a tough IPO market overall last year, I think. Possibly Australia-wide, one of the only companies that have that had a really successful IPO would have been Prime West. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of um, lot of talk about challenges in the property sector, but Prime West came along and they were very successful in raising a hundred million dollars. But 
it depends, uh, I guess, if it, investors believe the story. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, all I can say is it's good to see a bit of stuff happening in January uh, on the IPO side. It'd be nice to see that activity lifting, and I think that would be another signal um, that the market is starting to lift again. Mm. Notwithstanding where the uh, where the ASX is at the moment, mm. you know, climbing well above 7,000 as they broke the record last last week, uh, still climbing. So, um, you know, probably a good market to be going into mm. for those guys. Uh, and look, an additional question on the on the contract side, there were some mining deals done in the southwest of the state. Uh, yeah, UGL secured um, $180 million worth of work for Alcoa. Um, that's including at two, it was across Australia, but at two sites in WA. And uh, Macca has unveiled a $20 million deal with First Quantum Minerals. Um, that scope of work includes mining, crushing and screening at the Tamarine Limestone Quarry, quarry uh, that's near the Ravensthorpe nickel mine. Right, OK, so associated Ravensthorpe. Mm. So, uh, yeah, OK, that's the rejuvenation of that mine. OK, um, now look, a little bit of a quirky one here. Not many mining deals involve quantities as low as two tonne, two tonne. Correct. Uh, but there was something about this one that piqued our interest, Dan. Yeah, this was, um, I found it um, quite fascinating. Um, local graphene miner First Graphene, which mines um, in Sri Lanka, has locked in a supply deal with Steel Blue Boots, um, mm. which is developing a new line of uh, work boots. Uh, using and Steel Blue, of course, based in WA. That's correct, yeah. yes. Um, famous sponsors of the Swan Districts Football Club <laughs> with <laughs> right. their Steel Blue Oval. Um, but uh, they're, they're looking to incorporate graphene in a future line of work boots. Uh, the material is able to deliver improvements in tear strength and abrasion resistance as, as well as some heat resistance. Um, yeah, right. So it's very lightweight, very strong, so it makes a lot of sense to be used in boots. Um, the deal is for initial 24 months, and they've, as you said, two tonnes of the First Graphene's Pure Graph product, mm. product which is a graphene powder, uh, and they've got an option to extend for a further four years. And First, uh, sorry, Steel Blue um, uh, manufactured both in Australia and I understand in Indonesia. That's so, correct, yeah. yeah. So I believe that there's some manufacturing in Indonesia that comes here and they assemble them. I think that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Okay, well there you go. Anyway, I just I find that kind of fascinating. There's a company with opera, Perth company with operations in, in Sri Lanka mm. and we and then the materials are going direct to a company that manufactures, a Perth-based company that manufactures both uh, in this country and in Indonesia. Yeah. I find that kind of, an, you don't see that much of that kind of thing in WA. Mm. So. And interesting to see some innovation in, mm. in something, you know, that seems pretty simple as a work boot. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, um, so... Everything's getting more complex, Dan. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, our special report this week was by Matt McKenzie. Uh, he's looking at the risks that WA faces over the coming year or more. What did he find? So um, he's had a chat with um, several economists around town, um, and he's, uh, he's really focused on the United States-China trade war and also tensions in the Middle East and what was going to be the fallout from them um, for Western Australia. And he's actually identified that there could be some opportunities um, for, for WA. Uh, John Nicolau seems confident about the state's relationship with China long term, even though there's a risk that we could be stuck in the middle between, our, I guess, our two historically la- biggest trading partners. Yeah. Um, but there's also a few other, like some risks around technological transformations uh, could cause job losses in the short term and that Matt thinks the state isn't active enough in taking opportunities. Uh, Erica Smyers says we need to make sure we don't have a skills shortage in the tech area. And um, Danny Cooper from BGC, he's um, brought up some issues about population growth 
Uh, they raised some questions as to whether increased resources investment will actually in- entice people to come over here. I understand there was a lot of people in the last FIFO boom got burnt in WA, not willing to come back. So, yep. so you know, it'll be interesting to see how that um, turns out. And obviously climate change and emissions, that's a hot topic. Um, sorry for the poor pun with the fires going on across the other side of the country. But uh, this year, Matt's thinks that this year is going to be pivotal in WA. Um, There's mounting environmental pressure on some of the big projects um, that are slated, such as Browse and Scarborough for Woodsides. You know, they're key for the state's economy, but they are massive polluters as well. So there needs to be a balance struck there. And so how the state government and industry handles that balance um, will will be actually critical going forward. Yeah, well, it's a good point, that last one. I mean, it's it's a big sell to be able to, you know, explain that, Yes, we have a lot of emissions due to, you know, liquefying natural gas, and but the outcome globally is better than if mm. people were burning coal. And I think that point gets made constantly over east, where at the moment it's not just about how much in emissions, but it's also about security of supply because, you know, over east they're trying to shut down coal sta- power stations, and they're and yet some of the eastern states are not allowing gas exploration, and mm. you know, so they could have they could have power generation that is both lower emission and also better suited to working with renewables because mm. gas can spin up quicker and turn off quicker and works better with renewal, renewables which are more volatile. So, you know, I, I find it ironic this whole idea that we're getting told off and, it, and it's, it's really because we produce a lot of what is, relatively speaking, a clean fuel mm. for the rest of the world but suddenly we're the big polluters. I just, I don't buy that one but, you know, that's a message that has to be uh, better crafted than it is at the moment. Could be a case of two steps forward, one step back, you know, for for this, you know, Mm. to go forward to embrace this cleaner fuel, you've got to go backwards a little bit and um, produce some more emissions. So it'll be interesting to see how that that shakes out over the next few months. We do. Thanks very much, Dan. Join us for breakfast at the Hyatt on February 27 to hear how Paul Blackburn has evolved his company from project marketing and development consulting to become one of the state's leading apartment developers. We'll hear about his journey and delve into where he sees the property market heading. Go to businessnews.com.au to buy your tickets or call our office. Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Powell and Mark Beyer from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud.